This is Discover Virtual Reality Design Podcast and your host Aki Järvinen. We are back for the third season, been a bit of an extended break and I'm here alone. Unfortunately, I've lost my co-host Dooley, at least for the time being, for his uh, PhD project. So good luck Dooley in, in finishing that and we hope to have you back in the podcast sooner or later. Anyhow, uh, so what I'm trying to do for this third season is so that it wouldn't just be me rambling about. I've been managed to bag a few interviews, uh, which I'll be releasing more or less one per month. So today in the first interview in a minute, you will be hearing my discussion with Mariana Obrist. Uh, who has a new brand new book out called Multisensory Experiences. So we'll be chatting about that in a minute. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, it remains to be seen, but at least based on my interviews that I I have in the back for the third season thus far, it seems that we will be taking a slightly broader uh, perspective to immersive uh, rather than just VR. So... In some sense, this third season might very well be about discovering XR design rather than VR as such. But I still hope that you find these interviews interesting. And uh, yeah, let's see how long I can keep this momentum going. But yeah, now without further ado, I give you Mariana Obrist. All right, so dear listeners, I'm here with Mariana Obrist who studies multisensory experiences and has a book coming out on this topic soon. So welcome to the podcast, Marianne. Thanks, Aki, for inviting me to the podcast. You're welcome. So maybe you could give us listeners a bit of context. So how did you end up studying multisensory experiences and multisensory technologies? It's a very interesting question. And um, I need to go a little bit back because... I studied back at the University of Salzburg in Austria, and I was involved in a variety of different projects all around audiovisual. Um, so audiovisual for mobile interfaces, for home interfaces like on TV, but also in-car interactions. But my original background is uh, in communication science, so I was always fascinated also by how humans interact with each other. And when I was uh, teaching human-computer interaction to my students at the computer science department, I always told them, think about how humans interact with the world. It's not just our eyes and our ears. We have hands, we have our body, but we also have our nose and even our, our lips and our tongue. And so I was always fascinated by the fact that humans have many more capabilities, abilities than technology enables. Sure. And only... When I then left Austria and moved to Newcastle University with a two-year Marie Curie Fellowship, I had this kind of time and space to reflect on how do I want to kind of really shape the future of computing. And that's when I started doing my first studies on taste and smell. Um, and I got really excited also about touch, media touch. And so that's how everything began 
the move toward the multi-sensory experiences, which I then set up as a new lab at Sussex University yeah. in Brighton. And now you are at University College London, right? Yes, uh, with 1st of July, I started a new job, <laughs> which yeah. is very interesting in times where I'm still sitting in my home and doing the same thing. Of course, things. yes. But um, yes, I recently joined UCL. And what's your, what's your specific role there? I'm a professor of multisensory interfaces. So it's basically uh, further pushing my research on multisensory experiences, but really tries to find more synergies with uh, technologies which are emerging. So I'm part of the Faculty of Engineering of right. the Department of Computer Science. And so there are lots of opportunities now to think of multisensory experiences in a grander scale. So I did a lot of kind of individual applications from uh, automotive, virtual reality, uh, home offices. Um, but there is also the opportunity to link in more like in healthcare. Yep. So like future applications for therapy and rehabilitation, for instance. So right. it's really kind of expanding the potential of the research. Cool. And so let's let's talk about the book, upcoming book. So uh, multisensory experiences where the senses meet technology, which you've written with your colleague Carlos Velasco. And uh, so this book is coming out or uh, in September 30th. Uh, 2020. Uh, so I was I was lucky enough to attend the launch event that you had uh, the other week, and I was struck by a few things that I want to sort of us discuss a bit. So for instance, uh, you have come up with the definition of what are multisensory experiences, and I'll just quote that here, and then maybe you can sort of you know uh, elaborate a bit on that in your own words so multisensory experiences are impressions formed by specific events whose sensory elements have been carefully crafted by someone for example to create the impression of a sunflower color shapes textures and smells are considered the senses are placed at the center of the formation of the impression of the sunflower even in the absence of a real flower how did you come come about? Uh, that must have been a long process to try to sort of condense all that all that into a definition of like five five lines, basically. Yes, so it, it it was indeed a long process, and it's really the heart of our book. And Carlos and I spent a lot of years researching this field, but for the book itself, we really had to find something to to kind of bring our expertise together. But at the same time, it wasn't just us. As we also said in the launch event, we were basically standing on the shoulders of giants. We involved experts in different disciplines, from neuroscience to human-computer interaction, to marketing, chefs, um, and so on. And to really understand two parts. On one hand is what are experiences and what's the role of the senses in experiences? Because I think those are the two key things which really then shape our definition because the essence is that so we want to create experiences so impressions uh, of uh, something of an experience and that's embedded in a context in a certain event and what the role of the senses here is that we have different sensory elements which help us to really shape this impression as simplified with the sunflower 
So the sunflower has certain kind of colors, it has textures, uh, it has smells, and carefully putting them together is really um, what then defines multisensory experiences. And obviously, experiences, our experiences are always multisensory. Yeah. But here the main point is that someone is crafting them. So you can actually decide how to put them together. And there are different concepts we describe in the book, which you have to consider in carefully selecting different sensory elements and putting together certain smells with colors or certain textures uh, with certain sounds in order to create the impression you want. And it's really kind of like um, those two elements, the experiences and the senses itself, taking account what we humans bring into this relationship when, on the other hand, we have technology, uh, which is now emerging to stimulate all the different senses. And that really defines also this last part in our definition, even in the absence of a real flower, mm -hmm. because you not necessarily just have to have a sunflower holding it and then smelling it and experiencing it, but you can recreate that in a virtual world where you can then integrate the different multisensory technologies to release the scent, to have the ambient sound, to have the tactile sensation as you would touch the petals, mm. and maybe even have like a taste um, on, your, on your lips or on your tongue of the yeah. flower itself. Yeah. And so that's what we kind of try to capture and sure, then also sure. illustrate in, in different examples. Yeah, yes, that's what I've uh, I've seen glimpses, and what I've been hearing is that the book has lots of lots of illustrations, and and for a reason. Um, I I was going to ask you about kind of like what is the hard problem of uh, multisensory experiences and technologies, but I suppose every sense and stimulating and simulating it has uh, lots of hard problems in themselves. But so maybe maybe. Um, what I'd like to ask you is about what are the most sort of interesting enabling technologies on the on the multi-sensory front that that you'd sort of uh, encourage our listeners to start looking at and and maybe start experiment even experimenting with. Yeah, I mean you're right. There are lots of challenges, but lots of opportunities. And from a technology point of view, I mean. And I'm obviously quite biased because <laughs> working in that area, there's a lot of uh, amazing research and technology coming out uh, for audiovisual still. Mm -hmm. um, but I think where we do right now see a lot of progress is around smell technology mm -hmm. um, and also haptic technology. Yeah. Because that is really creating this immersiveness which to some extent is there with uh, surround sound or visual effects, um, but to make it more kind of like believable or real, yeah. I think adding this certain sense or, or the tactile stimulation is, is really where I think a lot of potential comes. And um, I can tell only from where I'm kind of working on, and we work a lot with haptic technology, um, which is using mid-air haptics, mm -hmm. so it's kind of basically using ultrasound, focused yep, ultrasound yep. to create tactile sensation, which is also quite interesting right now because it's touchless interaction yes, yes. Uh, with the pandemic. Um, so that's one where I think it's quite interesting because it doesn't require attachments. So you sure. just uh, basically use your body as an interaction surface 
mostly the hand or other kind of areas in the body which is there, which are still studied to see how sensitive they are and uh, also how they react to media haptic stimulation. Mm -hmm. But the other one is um, smell technology where we have become very, or where technology has become much more sophisticated. I mean, yeah. there has been a long fascination for smell delivery device. It goes back hundred years mm -hmm. and there have been a lot of kind of installation also in 40X movie theaters that you can really also smell what's on the screen. But I and, and also variable um, mm -hmm. technologies. One thing we right now, for instance, work on is a delivery device that, that kind of tries to capture um, not just kind of like the delivery of the scent, but also how you can control it. Yeah. I often try to explain it like you do sound design or Photoshop, the Photoshop for smell, where you basically pick the different colors uh, and then you can mix them and, and deliver them uh, to the printer. And here's like we're trying to also kind of combine the different senses or the sense and then uh, mix them and then deliver them. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously there is a big challenge here because it's not just easy printing. There's a lot of lingering and mixing going on. And we don't have like uh, an RGB for smell. So it's like, yeah. where do you even start? And a lot of the things we then try to do is go through emotions that you try to kind of like um, define which scent elicits what emotional reaction and you yeah. use that as a starting point. Um, but so yeah, though there are technologies coming out. If you get your hands on a media haptics devices mm -hmm. or if you want to try our prototypes, uh, Ovidjet's um, smell delivery device, we are currently testing it and developing it. But there are several others which are coming from the US mm -hmm. uh, as well. So MIT is developing like a wearable device, which is uh, also looking into like how it can help in sleeping. Mm -hmm. uh, written. Uh, Japan is doing a lot of interesting research as well on, on devices in a cinema entertainment environment. Yeah. I think that there is there's still a lot to to kind of like there's a long way still to go to really bring it to every household. Yeah, yeah. But I think there is now quite a few devices there to play with and try with mm -hmm. and, and really kind of establish um that kind of uh, ecosystem. Although a lot of them are still from a research lab and not really in a commercial sense. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, smell delivery device, a touch. And I mean, if you want to go very crazy, the frontier is taste. Now, if we keep the smell for just a second, I suppose, as you kind of alluded, the, the issue there has been that there really hasn't, for one reason or another, there has been like a delivery or distribution channel, in a sense, especially we think about home, home consumption and home-based experiences. So we have headsets, we have all kinds of audio devices, uh, but we we have we have lamps that you know <laughs> produce light, and and but we don't really have smell sort of scent uh, generators in the same sense. So we we yeah, I mean obviously we have now that I think about it, we have like uh, diffusers, yeah, and stuff like that, but they haven't really been used in connection with sort of you could say entertainment or those kinds of sort of fictional crafted experiences but also one thing that i 
uh, fun, fascinating when you talked about uh, uh, emotions and what kind of sell, smells evoke emotions. I read somewhere some time ago, I don't know how valid this is, but uh, there's some research out there which says that memories can be influenced by smell, that you almost remember the smell and you associate the smell with a place. So if you think about, like, let's say your grandparents' uh, home, you might actually associate that memory with the smell rather than the visuals. So there's there's definitely power there. Yeah, that's kind of like it. smell is really the one who is known to have the strong connection to memories and childhood memories, yeah. where it kind of can be the sudden flashback in grandmother's house and baking cookies and so on. Yeah. It's it's this kind of association. It's because of the the sense of smell has a direct link to, to our brain where mm -hmm. kind of like our emotions and memories then um, are uh, sitting and this allows you to have this kind of strong uh, memories where you can make this association with places but also people uh, and certain times which last like back much longer than any other um, memories as well. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of potential which is it can be in a positive or in a negative way as well. So for instance, we had once um, a participant and uh, we did a study on smell and the participant started crying um, mm. but didn't know why, but the smell evoked a memory. Oh, yeah. She was in a sad memory, yeah. um, which, which it's a lot of it's kind of subconscious, right? Sure. So you need sure. to be also careful how you're using them, and and that's something also kind of what we try to allude to in the in the book that yes, you can combine all the different sensory elements, and and you can create those impressions to, to have multisensory experiences, but th there is also this responsibility of what do you elicit mm -hmm. because you, if you create these strong emotions. Um, then you have a responsibility to take care of those people as well. Uh, and I think in the book you have these three laws of uh, multisensory experience, don't you? And and they uh, they address this also this responsibility and the sort of ethical aspect. Yeah. So could you re could you recap those three laws? There are the three laws, and um, as I said also in the in the announcement, we kind of like um, how do you end the book? if it's in this kind of big scheme only the beginning and, mm -hmm. and we really took this inspiration from Isaac Asimov, the science fiction writer from the three laws of robotics in 1942. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and so the three laws are really around why are we doing, why are we creating the expressions and what? So it's the multisensory experiences should be used for good and not harm mm -hmm. others. And that's really, um, what impressions we want to create and also the discussion about like you can use technology to create the impression of satiety um, and that can be a good thing for someone who suffers of obesity or wants to lose weight but we had this example of what if you're creating this impression of satiety for someone in a virtual reality headset when they are hungry when they don't have enough food Mm -hmm. Are we allowed to do that? Is that good or do we harm people? And yeah. it's not something one single person can decide. Um, is it the government to decide? No, it's something where you have to have this public discussion around. Yeah. And the other two laws, um, the second law is really about receivers of a multisensory experience should be treated fairly. 
that just takes into account who are you designing for, who are you crafting for the experience. It can be for an older person, for a younger person, for someone with uh, impairments, mental impairments, mm -hmm. physical impairments. So you cannot just create one experience for everyone, but you need to also account for their abilities and you should not exclude them. You need to treat them fairly. Yeah. And the last one is really focusing on who is creating. So the, the yeah. someone and the sensory elements must be known so that it's not something hidden that might manipulate us. As we said, it's like suddenly you're feeling sad or you're feeling happy. I need to know where it comes from and who is designing it. Is it the government? Is it my boyfriend? Is it my neighbor mm. or my boss? Yeah. So there are different elements to consider. And I know they are very abstract mm -hmm. uh, to some extent, but I think they're just giving this framework. And what we really wanted at the end of the book is people to start asking questions, people to start discussing, people sure. to start maybe disagreeing mm -hmm. with us. Because yeah. I think Carlos and I really thought that there is a beginning and we should now really kind of open up uh, the space so that others can make use of the opportunities which emerge from new technology, mm -hmm. but at the same time also do it responsibly. Yeah, makes sense. Great. Okay, so let's end with a couple of VR-related questions because at the end of the day, this is a VR-focused podcast. So, so while obviously VR addresses quite a few senses, almost pretty much all in many cases, other than taste and smell, I, I suppose. So how, how do you think about VR in this whole sort of multisensory context and what does it currently mostly lack uh, in terms of multisensoriness at the moment, do you think? It's very interesting. I think VR is a super interesting example. Also, when you will see the book, we, we talk mm. about this reality virtuality continuum. Yeah. And that's exactly this continuum where we are discussing different examples. And a lot of those examples are actually playing in, in VR. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what we are seeing right now is that we not just have this breathtaking taking audiovisual uh, effects and uh, impressions we can create in virtual worlds, mm -hmm. but we also have the opportunity to integrate touch and smell and even taste elements. Mm -hmm. And and one interesting opportunity which comes with virtual reality is that you can create this visual world where you mm -hmm. give people the impression which are multisensory. So what I want to say is really a lot of the stimulation technologies for smell or touch or taste even, they are not looking neatly integrated as our headphones mm -hmm. or, or visual interfaces, but they are sometimes quite bulky, especially when they yeah. come from a research lab. But when you put some in a virtual reality uh, headset and then you create this environment, then you can give them the impressions of a multisensory sunflower field Sure. without distracting them having like an air compressor here for the smell delivery mm -hmm. or a tasty floats here to levitate things into your mouth because you could play with what you can see mm -hmm. and then you can create natural interactions like you could see something floating towards you um, some fruit and you want to catch it and you can actually taste it because uh, we can calculate it in such a way that tasty floats is delivering it to your tongue. Mm -hmm. You just need to create the environment. 
But if sure. you are standing in a in an actual lab environment, um, lab space, I mean, it doesn't look that appealing. But no. virtual reality really allows us to recreate those um, environments and then create these impressions. And another, I mean, and especially because virtual reality has this opportunity to create this environment and integrate it with the different sensory technologies, it also gives us a lot of opportunities to think like as in the example of space exploration we talk in, in our book about, mm -hmm. that you can help people who go to space, who are confined to a spaceship or environment, which doesn't allow much variety. Mm -hmm. You can create um, situations and virtual worlds where you bring them back to somewhere else and can give them impressions which help them uh, in their emotional well-being, personal well-being, because you can yep. stimulate the different senses and you can combine them with the audiovisual abilities we are having through VR technology. Sure, sure. So in the context of VR, do you have any sort of favorite experiences that address the multisensory nature of the experience in, in a particularly interesting way? Uh, this is a hard question because there are so many. Okay. <laughs> there, there are so many exciting multisensory experiences. I mean, the ones which I personally, I guess I am again very biased because there are mm -hmm. two examples um, where my lab and my research is involved. And mm -hmm. the one I presented in the book launch is tree VR. Yeah. Um, so where you basically become and embody a tree yeah. and then you are not just seeing the, the forest or you're not seeing through the eyes of the tree and your hands become branches but you can be integrated our smell delivery device where you then also smell the, the ground in the forest. And then as you grow, um, mm -hmm. you also have other um, sensations like the haptic feedback on your back mm -hmm. um, and the sound surrounding you. And then also because it's connected to deforestation, you have the smell of um, fire in the oh, end yeah. and then you feel how they cut you down. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's a super powerful experience that I tried it now several times because we demoed it together with New Reality, who created it mm -hmm. um, in different places. And it's just, it's, it's very immersive and you just, not just human, but you see the world through the eyes of a tree. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's definitely a, a very powerful experience from New Reality. Um, the other one which I really like is the one we recently, last year, completed is fly vr oh, so yeah. that's kind of like a multi-sensory flying experience which uh, was sponsored by british airways for the 100th anniversary mm -hmm. um and so again we integrated the multi-sensory elements of uh, uh smell and wind and temperature and you're on a big motion platform where there's a, a chair and you can be the pilot or you can stand up and you're basically flying, mm -hmm. and yes. as you're flying, you feel the sensation. I don't know if you tried it. I have, I have, yes, I had the have? opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's. I really liked it. It's one of my favorite installations in 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 galleries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. It just allows you to do things, and mm -hmm. it becomes so real. And I think those are the examples where I think they are extremely powerful maybe the, the flying is just giving you an experience you could otherwise not have 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and tree just gives you also an experience which you couldn't have, but also has this underlying meaning of creating empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are many others um, which uh, also for in, in eating experiences, which you can have in virtual reality, although the delivery is something which is not that um, convincing yet. Yeah. And we are working currently on a, um, well, hopefully it's going to be published soon as a project where you have this kind of first impressions in, in virtual reality, like when you meet someone the first time, how people react to each other. And we know from real life, when you meet someone physically, the first time you shake hand, it gives mm-hmm. you an impression. You, you hug, it gives an impression. You smell the other person, even though mm-hmm. you're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. So there are all these chemical signals um, which influence us as being human. And I think bringing that in a virtual world is extremely exciting, extremely powerful, and allows us to do it because you are creating the world right, um, right. you can be in. Yeah. So as a final question, I think you uh, partially answered this, but uh, because most of our listeners tend to be like, VR designers, developers, researchers, practitioners. So why should they read the book? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I think there is an important reason why they read this book. And not just because I want to sell it, but Mm. I think the important reason is that we are living in an exciting time where multisensory experiences is something which is becoming reality, especially because technology has advanced much more than 100 years ago, where people like designers, artists have been already super excited about bringing more than uh, two senses, more than just sound and vision into an experience. And today we have now the opportunity to really use technology and explore technology mm-hmm. to create those multisensory experiences to make things more realistic more believable and also use them for good and i'm not saying just to kind of like you cannot just create like nice gaming environments or e-commerce environments yes they Mm. are all great but you can also think about how to help people who have sensory impairments or who have uh, sensory disorders and you can use it for therapy Mm. and we see lots of more use of virtual reality in therapy, rehabilitation, because we know they are pre and post surgery, they have a positive effect to help Mm -hmm. with anxiety and stress or helping people to recover. So I think that the application space for multisensory VR application is growing and the technologies we are having available and are now really becoming also available to the consumer market are growing and allow yeah. us to really do something which is not just a one-off experience, but something which is reliable and can really bring us closer to kind of a multi-sensory computing environment where we can control not just sound and colors, but mm-hmm. also the other sensory elements. Yeah. Well, I mean, just personally, I, I at least expect to be like inspired by the book by making me think about solutions and dimensions that I, from my sort of my own idiosyncrasies of thinking about VR, for instance, don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily think uh, otherwise. I think that's exactly what 
yeah, what you're saying is absolutely true. I mean, we wrote the book um, for everyone. So it's not a book like a handbook or it's not mm -hmm. just for researchers. So that's important to keep in mind. We really wanted to go outside the academic field and mm -hmm. make this exciting world of multisensory experiences accessible to everyone. If you're a chef, if you're an artist, if you're a designer, or even like if you're um, an accountant. I mean, there are so many interesting aspects around there which just help us understand um, what the senses do to our everyday life and yeah. how they're forming experiences and what kind of exciting technologies we are now seeing that mm -hmm. really kind of haven't been possible before. And, and yes, as you say, it's like creating this um, fascination, but also the reflection and the discussion. And in order to, to support that, we also created the X-Sense design cards, which are oh, yeah. uh, an attachment to our book. Because we, we thought, well, maybe you want to be the someone to create this multi-sensor experience. So we created a tool which should help you to think of the experience you would like to create. And that could be a birthday party for your kid, or it mm -hmm. could be your wedding, or it could be something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we tried to kind of break it down in a few cards mm -hmm. so you can actually go away and think and try it yourself. Well, that's the, the, that's a great point to end with. Uh, so, Mariana, where they can our listeners find the book, and where they can they find your work online? Okay, um, so you can find the book almost in all kind of um, stores or Amazon, for instance. Mm -hmm. But you can go to the main Oxford University Press. So that's www.oup.com/academic. Mm -hmm. So that's the Oxford University Press uh, website. And there you can uh, find the book and order it, but you can find it on Amazon yeah. or any other bookstores across the globe. I think we, we should be everywhere available now. And what about you, your work and your online presence? Oh, yeah. So if you want to know anything about my work, multisensory.info mm -hmm. uh, is where my research lab is presented. So I recently moved from Sussex University to UCL, but yep. multisensory.info is where you can follow my research lab. Great, great. Thanks so much, Mariana, for your time. Thanks, thanks so much uh, for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and the content we create, please do recommend to your peers, leave us a review or share on social media and also follow our online presence. So on Twitter, the podcast can be found at DiscoVRDesign. My Twitter handle is Akito, so that's at A-Q-U-I-T-O. And as I tend to say also in the beginning, please subscribe to my newsletter on design-related things having to do with XR. So that's designsuperpowers.substack.com. Until next time, keep on discovering virtual reality design. Bye-bye.